welcome to another edition of the In Search SEO Podcast, where we paint the town red with search marketing insights. Super guest for you today as we sat down with the magnificent Heather Fiziak to discuss how the heck you get your clients on board with your SEO program, how to get your clients to invest more time into what you're preaching, the nitty-gritty details of what good client communication looks like, and how to get into your client's head so that you know how to speak their language. But before that, Bert is back. We pick apart Google segmented news carousels, what's working, what's not, and what's really freaking interesting. I am your host, Morty Oberstein, and I am joined by the trenchant, the salubrious Sapir Carabello. Hello, Morty. Hello, Sapir. <laughs> How are you? How have you been? I'm wonderful. <laughs> Did you watch the Oscars? Jinx. I, I, I mean, third grade I, jinx. <laughs> jinx. Shut up. Nah. <laughs> I, uh, I, watched, I watched the winning moment of Parasite. Ooh, your they favorite movie won. Uh, Good yeah, for you. Yeah, so we're actually, true. fun surprise for you, though you already know because I told you, we're, fun surprise for the audience, we're going to get into a little bit of what came out of the Oscars in our analysis of Google's news carousel. So yay! Ooh, Ooh. Yeah. But first, <laughs> do not forget, we put out a new episode of the In Search SEO podcast each and every Tuesday. You can find it on Stitcher, you can find it on SoundCloud, you can find it on Spotify, you can find it on the Rank Ranger blog, and of course you may sh- and should subscribe on iTunes. Also, new to Rank Ranger, a brand new filter so you can easily and quickly separate your SERP feature wins from the competition. Quickly and easily pull out when your domain, not the domain from one of your stupid competitors, ranks inside a feature snippet, the people also ask box, uh, or when it shows with an image thumbnail, or as a rich result, or in an image box, you get my point for any and every SERP feature. And yes, I said rich cards because we just added the ability to track those. Any and every SERP feature you can check when you appear easily inside of a SERP feature for all of your keywords. Head over to the Rank Ranger blog, sign up for a free trial today, and check it out yourself because seeing is believing and we don't take a credit card, so you get nothing to lose. Go for it. 14-day free trial. Um, All right. right. Yeah. Let's do it. Great, great show for you today. Um, Oh, sorry. Programming note. Next week, February the 25th, we will not be doing a podcast. I'm so Aww. sorry. Yep, I'm, I'm going to SMX West. Going to be speaking about the core updates over there. And between traveling and flying and getting back and blah, 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 just not going to have time to push out a new episode. So, so sorry. But we will be back on my birthday, March 3rd. <laughs> Tuesday, March 3rd, my birthday. We'll be back with of a new episode. Of course. You had to throw it in there, didn't you? You're such an attention seeker. Let me tell you, okay? I had a horrible childhood. Filled with horrible <laughs> birthday gifts and horrible birthdays. What? What are you talking about? <laughs> but I think I've told you on this podcast for like my 18th or 19th birthday, my father stole or rather bought me an adding machine. Like I'm pretty sure he jacked it from the supply closet oh, in his office. Right. right? Okay. Because that's what every 18 year old wants an adding machine because there's no calculator <laughs> and I love math so much and I love those paper rolls that's adding machines. Wrong. So, hey, okay. Okay. my birthday's March 3rd. I will soak it up if I want to. Um, all right. <laughs> we got a great interview with Heather Fiziak coming your way. By the way, may I say, I am so into and so happy with how our Women in Search SEO series is going. Um, because one, mm-hmm. it's just going great. And two, women are by far the superior sex. And I'm pretty sure Freud yeah. actually held that. Yep. 
There, I got a rise yeah. out of you. Um, <laughs> no, for real. Smarter, yeah. more articulate. Mm-hmm. I'm a hell of a lot more pleasant than men. Men are not as good, and I'm saying that because I am one. Um, right. No, but you, know, you don't... Me, yes, I'm sorry. You're finally agreeing on something. I'm like tearing up right here. Are you really? Yeah. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> finally, we're in agreement. I know. It's amazing. I'm awful yeah. clamped. Um, <laughs> no, but you have to realize, okay, so like when we do these interviews with people... So some people yeah. I know, some people I know from Twitter, which, you know, you kind of know them. And then some people I don't know at all. I mean, I know of them, but I don't know them at all. And I never had a chance to talk to Heather before, either on Twitter or in reality or anywhere um, at all, oh. ever before. So it's kind of awkward oh. sometimes when that happens. Yeah. But she was so pleasant. It was not awkward at all. So, oh. yes. That's good to hear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So before we get to Heather and um, how to get your clients to buy into what you're doing with their site, I want to talk about a relatively new segmented news carousel as we are going down one freaking giant-sized, gargantuan, enormous SEO wormhole. Okay, so I have been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting to get to this, and I have not had the time to actually look into it, so we never got to it, but it's here, and it's so cool, and I am a huge nerd. Yes, you are. Thank you. Well, uh, look, we're agreeing again. We're agreeing again. Oh, we're agreeing. Wow. Two for two. <laughs> two for Tuesday. Okay. Right. So, back in December, Google announced that they had changed its top stories carousel on mobile. So, you used to get, you know, you type in a news, uh, newsworthy uh, keyword, you would get a carousel, one singular carousel called top stories showing you the top stories. But now, right. Google sort of yeah. created a multiple carousel that tackles a story or topic um, from different perspectives and different um, you know, layers, a multifaceted sort of news carousel with multiple carousels. Oh, that sounds complicated. And it's very complicated if you're going to try to explain this to an audio audience because you can't actually just see it. So we're going to have to explain uh, it. Okay. Just like last week. So let's try this, okay? So again, you okay. used to get your singular news carousel. You would swipe from left to right, right to left to go backwards. Um, but now... Okay, you know, let me just give you an example, okay? Um, mm-hmm. well, warning before warned out there. There are some sports examples coming your way because, one, the examples are great, and, two, if I'm going to discuss <sighs> the news, I might as well know what the heck I'm talking about. That's an important oh, part of the analysis. Okay. Yes, yes, yeah. stop whining. Stop whining. <laughs> okay, but I'll, I'll actually start off with a political keyword. Okay, so to okay. show you what this carousel looks like, or you can imagine it in your head in case you haven't seen it, so let's say you search for impeachment news, right? News related to the recent impeachment kerfuffle in the U.S. So normally, again, you would get your one carousel with all the biggest, top, most bestest stories out there, but not here. Okay, so here when I search this, and I search this um, the day after the Oscars aired. That's why I told you the Oscars are being brought into this podcast. So the day after the Oscars, I searched for impeachment news, and I got three carousels under the, the top stories banner. One carousel read okay, – each carousel has a, has a header that it falls under. So the first header was Oscars 2020, Brad Pitt wins Best Supporting Actor. Carousel 2 was headed by Trump News. And carousel 3 – and this is generally what happens. You get a third carousel that says also in the news. Wait, wait. You type – impeachment news mm-hmm. and you got news about brad pitt yeah that's weird right what yes <laughs> that was weird okay yeah, yeah so uh, okay let me explain why that why that is and this Please. is 
Okay, um, full post, by the way, is forthcoming on this. I don't know when. I have to. Um, there's a bunch of posts we need to you know, publish first. And small technicality, I actually need to write it up. So whenever it's going to happen, it's going to happen. But we'll get into this deeper in the actual blog post. Okay, are you ready? Yeah. Okay, here we go. So we're going to start with go. impeachment news. And you have yeah. to understand the background here. So evidently, Brad Pitt, the actor Brad Pitt, said right. something about Trump's impeachment when he won his Best Supporting um, Actor Award, uh, oh, Actor really? Oscar Award, whatever it is, right? I don't yeah, know because yeah. I didn't watch it. You want to know why I didn't watch it? I don't really care. But just ask me why I didn't watch it. Come on. Play long. Okay, why didn't you watch it? Morgan? I didn't watch the Oscars because I had better things to do. Now okay. you now you say, like what? <laughs> like what, Morty? Anything. Anything. I had anything to do better than watch the Oscars. Morty. Yes? Please. <laughs> okay, no sorry. Okay. Anyway, because of anyway. Mr. Pitt's comments and the chatter and the controversy it caused, again, I don't really know because I don't really care, Google got very, <laughs> very specific with that first carousel showing articles related to Pitt's elucidations on the state of political affairs. So it wasn't, you're asking, okay, why do they show a, a carousel under the header, you know, um, Brad Pitt wins Best Supporting Oscar, whatever it said, because all the articles were related to what he said about Trump's impeachment process. Get it? Yeah. Great. Um, and it makes sense. And it's very, very specific. By the way, is Brad Pitt still married to J-Lo? Are you serious? <laughs> yes, Morty, he was married to Jennifer Aniston. Just want to get a rise out of you. Just want to get. I I know I know who's married to J Lo. It's Alex Rodriguez, former Yankees third baseman and steroid user. Evidently, J Lo likes small oh, testicles. That's all I can say. Whatever you say. Whatever you say. Tiny, tiny testicles. Anyway, so what's cool yeah. is about this is that Google got very specific. Took a very specific sliver of the whole Trump impeachment saga and placed it as the top carousel it was showing in the overall top stories news box what's funny is the contrast the second carousel which when the second sub carousel was entitled trump news as if google was like all right um well we got the, the uh, brad pitt thing in the top carousel what do we put in the second carousel they're all sitting around a table wanting i don't know how about trump news yeah we'll just put trump news get really late yeah just put, just put trump news there so it's really funny to see how they can get very specific with a very specific news storyline and then the second storyline is like completely generic. So uh, maybe we're not totally there with this carousel thingy. Whatever. Um, now, the third interesting point is the third carousel, also in the news. Because, you know, it was also – what would you imagine would be in also in the news? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> like stuff, right? Like random yeah, stuff. Like, you know, news, it's not even right. in the news. It's also in also, the news. Right. Also in the news. Like, yeah, whatever. Take these. Those were the actual newsworthy articles. Like the articles of oh, like real – Yeah, seriously. Like real politicians, real <laughs> real analysis on the impeachment process, that whatever it was. Okay? So, like, instead of having, like, real news articles showing in the top carousel – what you had was commentary from some guy who used to be married to J-Lo who probably has the IQ of the statue he was holding when he won his award. And what was oh, pushed no. – yes, I just said it. And what was pushed down was real news, the actual news. So in other words, um, the new Top Stories multiple carousel segmentation format is more entity-centric than it is news-centric. And I'm not sure how good of a thing that actually is because you really want news content. I, um, it's, it's a little bit frustrating. 
I, if you're if you're looking for actual news, it could be a little bit frustrating. If you're looking for Brad Pitt, then it's great. You know, it seems that Google is not good yet. It seems that Google's not that attuned yet to looking at a topic or an entity or an entity like thing from a from a very specific lens. In this case, the news lens. Right, it's looking at the entity of the impeachment, whatever it is, if you want to call it an entity or not, a topic, whatever. It's looking at it from a very broad entity perspective and not from a purely news perspective. Because if it was, you know, Steve Mnuchin, some senator from Virginia, I think from Virginia, his commentary, which showed up in the also in the news, that would have been the first thing you see and not, you know, Brad Pitt talking about whatever Brad Pitt talked about. Because I'm sure he's got a lot right. to say on things like hair products, which I also don't care about. <laughs> But that's not actually covering the news when we talk about Brad Pitt's commentary on the impeachment process. Maybe right. you disagree with me. Uh, I'm not into celebrities commenting on pretty much anything because I've found them to be vapid. Although musicians tend to be a little bit smarter. I like Bono. Oh, come on. No, I, Bono's commentary is a little bit more intelligent right, than your average celebrity going out there. Which is, by the way, why I like sports stars. Because they're smart enough to know that they're stupid. <laughs> and that's all I'm saying. Uh, Maybe okay. disagree with me. Uh, no disagreement. Okay. Okay. Fine. Okay. So, yeah. Brad Pitt, comment all you want about hair products. Go ahead. I still don't care. Oh no. Maybe you should. I should care about <laughs> Brad Pitt. Has care. I should care about what he says about hair products. Have you seen? Yes. Have you seen the top of my head recently? <laughs> it's slowly deteriorating at a rapid. Not slow. <laughs> it's deteriorating. There's going to be, what? I'm going to be, I'm going to have it, have a head as shiny as Dr. Phil in five years from now. Do I oh. really care what Brad Pitt says about hair products? No, no, not relevant. <laughs> not relevant. Okay. So maybe we should stick to what's actually important. This idea of Please. entity segmentation within the top stories carousel, multiple carousels reflecting an entity like understanding of the news topic we're talking about. What does that mean? Because there's no knowledge panel here. There's no entity ID in the HTML. Let me explain. I did a query for NFL news, as in the National Football League. And I got the segmented news carousel, three news carousels under the whole Top Stories banner. And what do you think I saw? Some team won. Some team lost. Something like that? That's what you would have thought, right? I know you're being sarcastic, but that's what you would have thought. Because I did this query. I ran the query for NFL news. Eight days after the biggest, most mega event in the whole world, the Super Bowl. And the lead carousel in this news box was XFL News. Crazy, huh? right? Wait, there is a difference? Between the XFL and the NFL? Yeah, that's about as yeah. different. Yeah, that's about as big of a difference <laughs> between Mother Teresa and my mother. It's a giant <laughs> difference. Okay, okay. The, the XFL is a new yeah. league that launched the day before I ran this query. Okay? It has no affiliation with the NFL. The XFL and the NFL are completely unrelated sports leagues. Okay? The XFL is a subpar league meant to fill the gap that there is no football going on right now. So let's, let's, let's throw some football out there and people will watch it. Okay? It has nothing to do with the actual NFL. So what Google did here was, so why is it showing me the XFL? Google said the entity here is not... The NFL. Conceptually speaking, what the user here is looking for is football news, American football news. So what's relevant to American football conceptually, not as in NFL as in the league, but as NFL is in being reflective of the concept of American football? Well, the most relevant thing right now is the XFL. So even though I didn't 
mention the XFL in my query, Google took a conceptual look at what I was asking for in the query and offered me the XFL. And there's multiple examples of this, which I'll get into in the blog post. Okay. Mm-hmm. Want to hear another one? Another sports one. No, when you no, search please. for Tom Brady no, News, please. Tom Brady no. News, the first carousel oh. is Philip River News. Go figure that one out. Sports fans might be able to figure that one out. Uh, and I'll explain it in the blog post I'd write about this. Now for Bert. Uh, okay. Hey, Bert. Now for Bert. Because I mentioned <laughs> Bert. Google. Yeah. I mentioned Bert and Google mentioned Bert. When they first announced this whole thing, Google said they're going to use the Bert algorithm to better gauge where a specific storyline ends and where it begins or begins and ends, however way you want to look at it. Well, that might need a little bit of work as well, my friends. Um, it's my best John McCain. Hey, my friends. Anyway, I did a search for Bernie Sanders news. Bernie Sanders, in case you don't know, is a, a Democratic um, pre- presidential um, um, candidate running for president in the Democratic um, primaries. And I searched for Bernie Sanders news. I could do Bernie Sanders also, just like he's like, my, like my grandfather. No, no it's okay. It's okay, okay, fine. I did a search for Bernie Sanders news, and I got a carousel called... Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders news. So again, the format here is three carousels. The first carousel was Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden news. Second carousel was whatever it was, I forget. And the third carousel was also in the news. Now, funny thing is, by the way, that Google paired two entities together in the first segmented carousel, which go back to our podcast last week about relationships and entities but again yeah fine be that as it may joe biden and bernie sanders news was the first sub carousel that i saw except except that most of the news in that carousel had nothing to do with bernie sanders and joe biden it had to do with bernie sanders and pete Buttigieg. oh so you might need some work with the whole bert algorithm thing picking out where the stories begin which entities are where and who's doing what to who right so there's some work there. And I'm done, okay? We'll cover the rest oh, of it in the blog done? post. I's? I'm done. Mm-hmm. Oh, that should wow. whet your appetite okay. for now, yeah? Oh, I think we're good. Thank you. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. I know you're yeah. being sarcastic, but I'll take it anyway. <laughs> okay. So from trying to figure out Google's mobile news carousel formatting to figuring out how to get your clients on board with your SEO strategy, here's Heather Fisiak. Cut one. Welcome to another InSearch SEO podcast interview session. Please put your hands together for a renowned industry speaker, a professor of digital marketing at the University of Kansas, the group director of discoverability at VMLYNR. Give it up for Heather Fisiak. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. You don't look like a professor. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm the cool professor. Oh, so you're not wearing leather patches on your jacket? No, no, just... Tattoos and glasses. Um, nice. So I'm an adjunct professor at KU, <laughs> and I teach one class per spring semester each year. It's very cool. That's cool. Go yeah. Hawks, Jayhawks, right? Uh, that's right. right. I'm learning to love it. I'm actually a Mizzou Tiger. Originally, oh, I see so, how that goes. Uh, I just don't tell them. Okay. I just leave that. College sports is very interesting. I hear it's sensitive, but honestly, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> nice. So we could talk about your years of experience in the SEO industry and digital marketing of all sorts of backgrounds. But I have to ask you, at one point, it looks like you were the editor of a music magazine. Yeah. So that sounds I amazing. Got my start when I was um, a teenager um, working in journalism. I had written for the local newspaper, but then I started a music magazine to sort of blend my passion for 
writing and my excitement to be online back then and my love of local music. And so I ran that for about eight years before moving on, but that was a lot of fun. That's Great cool. learning wow. experience. What kind of music was it? Or what kind of music did it focus uh, on? All rock and roll, heavy metal, like just as much angst as I could get. Oh, nice. Perfect. Music. That's perfect. Yeah. Nice. So anything from like Zeppelin to Slayer? Yeah. yeah nice. That's perfect. About right. that, uh, <laughs> that's the tail end of my, my era, except it was all local to the Midwest here. Oh, very cool. Nice. That, was exciting. that sounds like a lot of fun. It's like a Cameron Crowe yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. All the bands were very accessible. Awesome. Okay. So let's talk about getting your client on board with your SEO program. Um, going to start off with a bit of a cliche because I like cliches actually. Um, but um, what's the most important thing you think is out there when you're trying to get your client in sync, on board, in line with what you're trying to do? Yeah, I, I secretly love a cliche too. And they're probably cliches for a reason, right? Because they're, they're, they're commonly good. understood and accepted answers. Um, so at, at the risk of providing a cliche answer, um, that, that number one thing for me is open, honest, frank communication. Um, th this early moment in the partnership when your client or your boss is starting up a search program with you is absolutely crucial. Um, what happens here in, in these early conversations is that we're setting the stage for the entire search program. Um, so it's really important that we get it right. Like if you find yourself um, overselling the value of search, you could be setting yourself up to fail by creating unrealistic expectations for your client uh, without setting any boundaries or establishing any, establishing any clarity for their expectations. I find that search professionals are also way too quick to jump right into the tactical execution because we know what the low hanging fruit is. We've seen a few sites in our time, um, but uh, we should really be taking, these, uh, taking a step back to um, observe the situation, understand the client, the brand, their customers, how their organization works, maybe how your immediate client or boss works, how they're measured, who they report to, internal politics, resourcing issues, and so on. And all of that comes through communication, dialogue. So I always tell my team there's uh, four C's of client communication. Um, you have to be clear, confident, concise, and consistent. And this phase is a lot more about listening than it is about talking. And this has to be constant throughout your relationship from day one, throughout the entire search program. Uh, your client needs to know that they can depend on you that you have their best interests in mind, that you're going to be thorough in executing the best work possible for them. And they're not going to get that message unless you're communicating effectively with them. So there's a lot we can dive into there. Um, where to start first? Okay, Sorry? let's start. No, that's <laughs> awesome. Um, let's start, you know, let's start with, with communicating because that's also a cliche that maybe we can sort of uncliche it. That's not a real word, but... Um, <laughs> How do you go about, like, in real terms, how do you go about effectively communicating with a client? Yeah. So, I mean, talking to them is a great start, right? That's, that would be a good start, talk. right? Don't send <laughs> yeah, them no, a text message. Actually speak to them. the best uh, thing you can do. But uh, if we're really talking like brass tax communication, like, is this about, let me rephrase here, but like, is your question about how we specifically tactically communicate with the client or like tools that we use 
to establish the communication at the beginning of the partnership. Let's, yeah, let's start there. Let's start with how do you establish effective communication to start? What are some techniques, some strategies, some pointers, some tips, some things to avoid, that sort of thing? Gotcha, gotcha. Well, um, the, I think a helpful tip here is to think of the relationship with your boss, like the CMO or the head of digital or your client, um, as if they speak a different native language. You're different people with different roles, backgrounds, experiences, ways of doing things. Um, this, this base understanding that you're approaching every situation through different lenses um, is, is very, very helpful to communicating effectively uh, from day one. So there's a few things I recommend anytime I'm talking about clear communication. So one is just verbally articulating the purpose that you share and verbally asking if they're aligned. I always joke that it's like being in the emergency exit row on an airplane where they say, no, I need you to verbally say that you're okay with opening this door. So um, asking them to, to verbally align and putting that out on the table allows people to adjust or clarify as necessary. Um, I also believe that every call, every meeting should close with a short summary of what you heard. And everybody should leave knowing who owns what, knowing what they're responsible for. I think that little closer builds a lot of confidence with our clients and our bosses. Um, when you're talking about projects with clients, be sure to talk about the pros, the cons, the costs, the potential results, including how long you think it might take to see those results. And tell them specifically how you'll be monitoring and following up. Um, but, just be honest. Oh, I'm sorry. Go <laughs> no, ahead. no, no. You go ahead. I'm sorry. You're the guest. Oh, no. Well, just be honest. Um, so your boss, your client, they're, they're smart. They're capable. I think we are guilty of thinking they're, you know, less than or don't understand, but they're usually quite logical. So if something isn't working or presents obstacles, say something. They have a right to know. They'll get it. Get them in the, in the trenches with you. And finally, just make sure you're translating that SEO speak. Um, we're talking to CEOs and CMOs, not other SEOs. So make sure we're using language that aligns to their real business goals. Right. So those are my five things. That actually, the the point you made about sort of summarizing the end at the end what you spoke about and what you walked away with, that's an amazing point because there's many many times where we've had people try to sell us or sell me something. You have a two hour meeting, an hour meeting, whatever it is. And you walk away. Okay, so what did they say? I don't remember. It's like fragmented points and being able to walk away saying, okay, this is what we spoke about. This is the main, these are the main points. Is it an amazing way to feel like, okay, I understood what they were saying. I love that. Yeah. I'm going to use that. It's like in therapy too, right? Your yeah. therapist tells you to repeat back right. what you're hearing from your, your partner in therapy. It's perfect. Wow. It's, it's therapy and sales all in one um, oh. and a little bit of education. Um, okay. So let me jump into then. One of the things you mentioned was that when you're when you're establishing communication to think about you know who you're speaking to what their background is what their goals are what their process is that's a lot to to, to chew at one time so how do you go yeah. about sort of taking that those one million check boxes you need to understand and know before you walk into a conversation how do you actually do that yeah um I did a bunch of research last year in the search industry did a lot of surveying and interviews and I came to discover that, you know, we as search professionals, we believe that onboarding clients is important to setting the partnerships up for success. But what the same exact research found was that we tend to onboard clients inconsistently from one to the next if we bother going through uh, an onboarding exercise at all. 
So um, my team here at VML YNR, we developed a few tools that we use with clients, and now we're starting to share with the industry a little bit more. Um, one of them is the immersion workshop. So all of those things that I listed off, the 400 bullet list from before, all of those can at least be conversations that are initiated, if not fully exposed in an immersion workshop. Um, so this is a fully immersive crash course on the client's organization, how search fits into their world. It helps you as the practitioner to get really smart, really fast. It opens those lines of dialogue. You start to build relationships with uh, not only the stakeholders at all different levels and different departments in the organization, but also your fellow practitioners and implementers, think developers, content creators, analytics experts. This, this moment, this immersion workshop, allows you to align on the roadmap for this search program. It allows you to agree on how you guys will measure success. Um, and it has mission and vision sessions. A lot of times the client will actually present that to us. They love to be heard. They know their, their business and they want us to know their business too. Um, we'll have stakeholder sessions. So who in the organization um, has a stake in the success of the program, but may not be the ones implementing it. So that could be the head of sales. That could be head of different business units. Uh, and finally, we have practitioner sessions. So again, that's you know the SEOs alongside developers, content creators, analytics expert, paid search folks. And then we have discussion guides to get us through the whole two-day exercise and ask the kinds of questions we talked about earlier. So that's a really amazing program. I'm wondering though, do you ever get pushback from the company saying, hey, this sounds great, but we don't have time to do all of this? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I definitely do. Um, it, it certainly happens, um, but I find it happens more with smaller clients. So I do work with enterprise clients now, but in the past I did work with small businesses. I think it all boils down to one key thing. It's that magic word of communication, right? Right. Where we explain the the benefits and outcomes of of doing an exercise like this and it's short we're talking a day or two it can be streamlined you can really focus the most important sessions if it's a smaller piece of business but we talk about how essential it is to really understand their business and their priorities and their customers in order to do our best search work so when we frame it in you know we're going to do better work it's going to save you money. It's going to save you time because we're not going to backtrack by getting things wrong. It's going to save you headaches because you don't have to give us critical feedback all the time because we didn't understand your business to begin with. But as search professionals, I think we greatly undersell ourselves and our abilities by saying, oh, yeah, I'm just here to write title tags and meta descriptions and I know how to do that. <laughs> we're search strategists. In order to help clients win in this increasingly crowded competitive landscape, we need to understand that business and their landscape and what they're up against and what the opportunities are to win. I think most clients understand that. We just have to take the time to, to explain it in a useful way and be flexible. Let's, let's adapt it to their needs and make them feel comfortable with the exercise. So as, as an educator, and I myself being a former teacher, so I'm curious, oh. yeah, a while ago, how long has it been already? Six, seven years? I don't remember. Um, did you teach marketing? Um, no, I did. I'm saying again? What did you teach? I taught, yeah, no, I taught English to fourth graders in Baltimore's inner city. Totally not marketing. I had to market myself, basically. <laughs> Please listen to me. Here's how I'm going to get you to do it. Um, <laughs> so one is from a, when you're, you're walking in, 
you don't really know how much these people know, how much they don't know. Um, how do you sort of scaffold that? You're walking in, you, there's, a, there's a, a risk, or you, maybe you run the risk of, I'm over here, I'm speaking at one level, I think mm-hmm. I'm communicating with you, but I really am not, and I have no idea. Yeah, gosh, that comes up all the time. Enterprise clients, small business clients, in-house, doesn't matter. Every search program is on a maturity continuum. So about two years ago, we developed a search maturity curve and maturity assessment. So this is a continuum on which brands evolve uh, iteratively from one step to the next. The idea is not to skip levels and go from we've never done search before to we are a well-oiled search machine overnight. That's, that's unrealistic. But rather, iteratively growing and improving their search program over time. And the gap between each phase may become wider as they grow up the scale. Yeah. Because as you go up the maturity scale, things get harder and more abstract and complicated. Think of it like the old PageRank algorithm where it's supposed to be 10x from one step to the next. So on the low end of this maturity curve, um, they may have a very limited or disjointed search program or it's entirely new. They're starting it from scratch. In the middle, you may have a brand that is you know, doing search in a repeatable or defined way. They kind of have a feeling SEO is important. Uh, maybe they're just starting to implement the basics, but it's pretty ad hoc. Or if they're a little more advanced, maybe they're documenting real process and standards. They're becoming more proactive, strategic, goal-oriented. But a lot of times you'll find that um, organic search is still siloed from other parts of the organization at that phase. All the way up to the highest end of the maturity curve, I call those brands optimized. This means search is part of that company's DNA. It is baked into their marketing from end to end. Um, The practice is integrated across the organization with different departments at all levels. Um, They're always iterating and proactively bringing new search ideas to the table, improving, even innovating their search work. That's like the enlightened search (laughs) organization. And, And these brands tend to be the market leaders in search because they know that their work is never done. There is no finish line. And so we we created this maturity model um, and we shared that out with the industry, but then we also created a really useful survey of questions that we administer to the client. Um, I'm actually going through one right now with a brand. Um, They have a record high number of survey participants at 49, so I challenge (laughs) anyone in the industry to beat that. So we administer the survey and it, it asks them questions that get to the heart of Um, where their organization stands on on five key pillars. It's um, process, personnel, planning, capacity, and knowledge. And it's got, you know, a Likert scale from extremely not true to so true. (laughs) That's not really it. There's more technical language, right? So so true is not uh, the official name for it? Oh, true. This is so true. (laughs) I was just going to say Yeah. And then it's also got open-ended answers. And I actually find that the juiciest content comes out in the quotes from those open-ended answers. So we calculate the scores as a whole and map where they are on the maturity curve. We calculate where they are on those five criteria. But I think what really helps it hit home with the clients is those quotes that I'm pulling out. They're anonymous. They're from all these different departments. And you'll see things like, um, my organization has no idea what's going on when it it comes to search, it's completely disjointed. We to we don't allocate enough resources to search is always an afterthought. 
Like it's really eye-opening stuff. And we'll often administer that survey portion as part of the immersion workshop. Right. Do you, do you find there's an, an, um, one particular problem that usually sticks its head out more than others? Um, yeah, it's, there's a few. I'd say um, one of the big ones that's probably one of the toughest is, is resources. They right. don't have enough content creators or they don't have enough budget to do the things that they dream of doing. I think it's that everybody's problem. Yeah, it's yeah. it's not infinite dollars and time that we have to work with. That's a common one that'll come out. Um, but a lot of times revealing it in this way helps CMOs know where to shift budget. Right. Like, really oh, this is an opportunity and people are craving mm -hmm. it and I'm not allocating the right resources for right. it. Um, another one that comes up, I'm going to say like 95% of the time in any organization that has more than one department is alignment, silos, alignment, agreement on what's important and how to work, process between departments. It's just making sure everybody's moving in a common direction. And when you get in these big enterprise organizations, especially, that's a really hard yeah. battle for them to fight. So I don't see our role as search professionals there just editing their website. It is we have to help them make search part of their organization's DNA. That's very hard. I mean, that sounds very hard. I've never done it, but it sounds incredibly hard. It's hard. Yeah. <laughs> not everybody understands. Not everybody's bought in. Not everybody um, feels that it should be as important as it is. So. You have to bring them along for the journey or you're yeah. going to be fighting the whole way. It's always hard to bring people. It's more work. It's new work. It's always that resistance to that. That's really hard. Yeah. 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 So, so right. how continuous does this program have to be? In other words, can you, can you, you once a month, once a week? Because I feel like if you, if you start and then you stop and you, you leave a sort of gap that's perhaps too long, you, you've really lost that momentum there. Sure. Sure. So um, when I do the immersion workshops and the maturity. This is usually one big burst to stand up the partnership, but that communication and working against that and measuring back against the playbook we established in the beginning, that's continuous, constant. You should have regular lines of communication constantly throughout. We'll revisit the maturity survey um, along with just a health assessment of their digital portfolio about annually to see how are we progressing against those things. Um, but as their SEO lead, you have to de demonstrate that you are on top of things all the time. Um, and you want to kind of show them that you're going to proactively communicate and follow up. So they don't have that anxiety in yeah. their minds about what's going on in the black box of SEO. Um, you should have a regular cadence of proactive updates on, um, whether you're doing what you guys agreed on or not. And you should have monthly reporting calls, which to a lot of SEOs is probably like, no, no duh, but <laughs> you'd be surprised. Like yeah. people often don't have those touch points. They're living in email and not having conversations with their clients. Um, I would strongly recommend something called a quarterly business review where you're kind of zooming out and looking at, are we progressing against our roadmap? Do we need to pivot anywhere? Is it working? Is it not working? Has anything changed in the client organization? But that's a pretty casual check-in. That's yeah. like a, a quarterly one to two hours of effort. That's not too much to ask to stay on track with the business. And I'm a big fan of setting up annual planning. It's like every year we get to the end of the year and we're like, oh yeah, we've got to start planning for next year. And then you're scrambling. Why not just bake it in from the beginning, knowing that it's coming? And that gives you a chance to sort of reestablish yeah. the maturity 
assessment, the strategy each year. Um, make it a point to proactively send out wins or challenges okay. that you are spotting in the data um, and either the results of that win or action that you propose that the client should take. As a client, I would be thinking, oh, this person is on top of it. I don't need to be thinking about this because they're going to tell me when to think about it. Tell me when I have a decision to make. Does that make sense? That makes a lot of sense. With the maturity scale, um, do you find this getting harder now that SEO is getting a little bit more abstract? Yes, sort of. Okay. So the client becomes a little bit more abstract as they mature, right? And, and it probably depends on the client, to be fair. Now, if you have started with a brand in the simpler stages of maturity and grown up with this client, so to speak, um, they're probably learning as they go, and you've probably earned their trust through measured, measured results. You've got their buy-in. You get proven wins. You keep communication high, and you're continuing to educate the client as you go. Like that, that client is is moving along that journey with you, and I think it, it's no more than normal problems as you become more abstract. Now, the other side is a brand that maybe started on the higher end of the maturity curve. My hope would be that they have a better understanding of search in general, and they know that we sort of start to enter this more nebulous test and learn environment as they go up the maturity curve, um, especially as we're embracing entirely new capabilities in search or functionality in search. So as it gets more abstract, in my experience, it hasn't been too terribly difficult to keep them on board as long as they were on board with me the whole way. That's really interesting. That makes a lot of sense. Um, how, I mean, how far do you feel you have to go with this? How much, how many, how much of the details and nitty gritty do you feel that you need to give a client in order for them to be um, developed or to develop in their um, appreciation of what you're doing and SEO or the importance of SEO and so forth? Because yeah. you run the risk it can be overwhelming also. Yeah, yeah, great question and great point. Um, again, remember, we are speaking to very busy CEOs and CMOs, not other SEOs. So we have to learn to read, write, listen, and speak their corporate language. So we're over here talking about HTTPS and SSL encryption and canonicalization. They don't need to know that. They care about <laughs> ROI and earnings per share and, and operational costs. So how can we translate the technical aspects and jargon of what we do into something that is meaningful for those business goals that they care about? And remember, the goal is not to teach your client or your boss how to do search. That's what they're paying us to do, right? But rather to understand the impact that search is going to have on their business, on their goals. So focus on what's in it for them, the benefits. Um, maybe it's brand visibility if you're focusing more on high funnel awareness search or conquesting competitors in the search space. Or ultimately, end of the day, we're all in business to make more money. So you're going to help them make more money. They don't care about the super granular technical steps to get there. They basically want to know how much is it going to cost, how long is it going to take, and what do you need from me? If your client is super in the weeds, technical, or has a search background, great. But otherwise, it really makes more sense for us to zoom out to about 10,000 feet, use basic layperson's language and uh, analogies and, and visualizations, anything we can do to communicate clearly and keep their attention. Right. Or you lose them. And always, always, always tie your work back to what they actually care about. 
Very cool. So that sort of leads into my last question. It was part of a little bit that I have called optimize it or disavow it. Um, yeah. It's basically where I'm going to give you two options, either two really good options and you're stuck choosing one good option over a bad option or two bad options and you're stuck choosing one bad option over another bad option, which is uncomfortable. So this okay. is the uh, Heather Fiziak version of optimize it or disavow it. Speaking of reporting to clients and how much they need to know or don't need to know, which is the worst? Uh, which is the worst? Which is the better of two of the two evils? Um, giving them an overly complicated technical report that they will have no idea what you're talking about, or giving them a report that's way too thin and they're like, "Don't think there's enough data here." Oh my gosh, this hurts. <laughs> you can say it depends, but that's sort of a cop out. Oh, it hurts. Um, I dislike both of these deeply. <laughs> yes, that's why it's uncomfortable. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, I'm going to say the overcomplicated report with not enough explanation. I'll I'll say this because we won't hold you to uh, it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Please don't make me do it. Well, I'll go on Twitter. <laughs> quote. Heather said. Yeah. Um, but if I had to choose, I w- I would say the overcomplicated one. At least there's transparency in the data. Um, someone could theoretically parse it out and draw conclusions or ask questions about it um, over communication right. instead of communication, right. right? Okay. <laughs> so I feel like I'm getting something for my money here. You didn't just yeah. send me one little graph and what have you been doing for the last two months? Communicating. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I feel like the, the clearly oversimplified report would feel to a client like um, smoke and mirrors or yeah. like the person who created the report has no idea what's going on with their search <laughs> program which could shake the client's confidence in it. So I'm all That's in a good on answer. overcomplicated report. But not that you should actually do that for the record, of course, obviously. Right. This was a game. Disclaimer. Right. Disclaimer, do not do this. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much, Heather. I really appreciate it. This was very clear, concise, and very communicative. So very appreciate. Oh, well- Thank you. Thank you, Morty. Appreciate that. Well, thank you so much for having me on. Really Absolutely. excited to um, share it out. Awesome. All right. Take care. Thanks. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. And we are back to your regularly scheduled Insert SEO podcast. I told you, so pleasant, right? There's something just like yeah. soothing. She has a very soothing, calming presence. It was very enjoyable to talk to her. Okay. Okay. So, because I am going to SMX and we are not going to have a podcast next week, we'll be back on my birthday, March 3rd. <laughs> Happy birthday to me. Oh, no. Um. We are recording this podcast a bit earlier than we usually do, which means there may be some news that we're not going to cover because it didn't happen yet from the time we recorded. So if you're sitting there and you're going to listen to the news we're about to do and you're going to say, oh, but they didn't cover this story and that story was so important. (laughs) It didn't happen for us yet. We can't possibly have covered it. Thank you, Maury. Mm -hmm. I'm just explaining that reality. It's not because we're idiotic or negligent. It just didn't happen for us yet. Yep. Okay, so with that, Sapir, could you please hit it with the news? So last week we mentioned that there seemed to be a bug around Google post submission with the thought being that Google was enforcing their image guidelines. Well, it seems that there was actually a bug that Mike Blumenthal, a local SEO superstar, says has been fixed. Yeah, so that's interesting. It was a bug. Yeah, it wasn't it a bug. It is a bug. It is a bug. So 
It is a bug. Check your Google Post. Hopefully, things are back to normal. Right. Right. Okay, let's move on. Rejoice, Morty. Rejoice. Okay, I'll Search rejoice. Not- Wait. It's King Arthur's court, Morty. Rejoice. <laughs> kind of rejoice. rejoice. Okay, rejoice. I'm rejoicing. Yeah, good. Let me explain why. Please. Search console now contains a performance report specifically for your pages that show with reviews on the SERP as organic results. But to this, you can now see impressions, CTR, etc. for those pages using review markup. Rejoice. 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 <laughs> Thank you. I am rejoicing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's good. Great. Okay. Do you have anything to say? No, just rejoice. Other than Everyone rejoicing? should rejoice. Please okay. <laughs> grab your pheasant leg and rejoice. <laughs> okay. Let's move on. Here's a cool one, Morty. Warner Brothers, to help lift poor ticket sales for its Birds of Prey movie, has made the film more searchable by changing its online title to Harley Quinn, Birds of Prey. Wow, that is cool. Warner Brothers recognizes <laughs> SEO. Good for right. them. So let me, okay, yeah. a little bit of background on this because you don't know what the heck this is. Um, Harley Quinn is a character from Batman. They made a movie about her a couple of years ago with a bunch of other people. I totally forgot what it's called. Suicide Squad. That's the name of the movie, okay? So I didn't even see it. Suicide <laughs> Squad. Okay, but she's like the main character. It's Pippi Margot Robbie. She's awesome. And they made a sequel of this terrible movie. Right. The good idea. Make a sequel of a terrible <laughs> movie. And they called it Birds of Prey. And what the hell is a bird of prey? I mean, I know what a bird of prey is, but what does that have to do with the movie? What kind of movie is this? Birds of Prey? Is it about vultures? No, it's about Harley Quinn. No one knew what the heck it was. And when people were right. searching, they were searching for Harley Quinn movie too. Like, this, you know, the second Harley Quinn movie, book a ticket. But that wasn't right. showing up because they named it Birds of Prey. So they changed it so that when people search for Harley Quinn, now they get the movie. Um, Good idea. Great. Also, good idea. If you want to sell movie tickets and you're worried about them they're not selling movie tickets because the movie's doing horribly, how about you don't make a movie that sucks? Oh. It's like, yes, worry about your SEO, but also worry about not making a movie that stinks like poo. Yep. Too harsh? Good advice. No. Good advice. No, it's no, not. I think it's fair. I think it's fair. Yeah. Totally on target. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Sapir. We appreciate you, and we appreciate your news. And again, if you don't, yes, and if you don't hear a story that was big, that broke, it's because it didn't happen yet for us. Anyway, we have to quickly wrap this up because we're taking too long. Maybe we're not. I don't know. I just said that. Not really sure why. Um, (laughs) Let's run to our last segment then. Great pivot, Morty. Good job as usual. Yeah. Mm -hmm. As usual. As usual. Because here... Comes our fun SEO send-off question. So this week you have a really good one, Sapir. I was pleasantly yeah. surprised. <laughs> Why? I'm awesome. I always do a good job. Yeah, and I didn't. I didn't say no. These questions are hard, <laughs> and you always complain. I don't like that. But now when I actually say good job, you can't just say thank you. Thank you, Morty. I appreciate your appreciation. No problem. Let's move on. What was the question? Okay. The question this time is, if Google was allergic to something, what would it be? Great, very good question. I really like that yeah. one. Yeah. Do you have an answer? Because I'm still thinking I, about I have, it. I have, I have an, a great answer. Great. Wow. Okay. Stall a little bit so, for me. <laughs> if Google was allergic to something, I hope it would be... Um, American sports team. Oh, yeah. So and funny. Then, oh, my God. I, 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 I won't ha- 
like have to listen to your sports examples ever again. How wonderful is that? First off, sports examples from a purely SEO perspective are amazing because they're constantly changing. <laughs> the news is constantly changing and they bring up a lot of SERP features so you can see how those are evolving, right? For example, mm. the only place the evolving Google story that gets built as a game goes along is for American Major League Baseball. So no. like it or not, sports is here. Um <laughs> And it's not changing. And two, by the way, when you type in lions or bears or tigers, often you'll get American sports teams and not animals. So in your face, you're stuck with sports teams. <laughs> FML. Peanuts. Okay. Peanuts. Yeah. Yeah. Google's allergic to peanuts. Okay, you answer. That. I did. I said peanuts. Peanuts? What? I don't know. What? Peanuts. Google's allergic. Everyone's allergic to peanuts. Okay, that and, that and transparency. That and tra peanuts and uh. transparency. Because I had to go there. Oh. Because Google's not very transparent. You get it? Like, there's an update that's right. been going on for five days at this point while we're recording this, at least. And Google has said nothing. Even Barry Schwartz seemed a little bit, you know, tickled by that in his coverage of the unconfirmed update. Because usually Google <laughs> says things like, nothing to see here. We update things yeah. all the time. Millions of updates for millions of seconds, for millions of times, for millions of sites. Nothing to see here and move along. But they didn't even say that. Google said nothing. Like, zero. Okay. For the record, let me state, when I say Google is allergic to being transparent, I am not talking about awesome people like Martin Split, John Mueller, Danny Sullivan, and so forth. They do an, an amazing job trying yeah. to say what they need to say without saying what they can't say. Mm -hmm. I very much feel like their hands are often tied, and I understand that, and I do appreciate that, but it's still I would like to see Google be a little bit more transparent. So when I'm speaking about Google being allergic to transparency, I'm speaking to the higher-ups at Google, not your John Mueller's, Denny Sullivan's, those kind of people. Right. Okay. Um, and that's, I think that's all we have. So yeah. thank you so much for tuning in to the In Search SEO Pockets. Generally speaking, new episodes every Tuesday, but the next time you'll find us here is on my birthday, March 3rd. So we're skipping a week, March 3rd, my birthday. Be back yeah. here for an all-new episode of the In Search SEO Podcast. Don't forget, it's been in search because we're all in search of something. Toodles. <laughs>